0: Well, welcome, uh, if you're here with us, if you're joining us online, we're so glad to have you. If you can uh, have your Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter 2, as that's where we're going to be this morning. Now, when I was in high school, uh, my friends and I, we were at a pool, we were hanging out, and we were uh, kind of being foolish, reckless, what teenage guys tend to do, and we were uh, jumping off, off the diving board, and we were trying to one-up each other every time we jump off, and so it was getting like more and more dangerous as as we went because none of us were like trained to do this. And, and so um, my turn comes along um, and I'm like, okay, I got to one up the guy who went before me. I'm going to show them uh, an amazing flip. And so I, I go to the edge of the diving board and I, I just like launch myself off. And like, I've not thought this through at all. Um, and I, I had something in my head that I pictured it's going to be awesome. I'm going to go into the water. There won't even be a splash, maybe just that little blip. But instead it was just like, I smoked the water, like I hit it hard, I hit it at a bad angle. And as soon as I hit the water, I knew that I was in trouble. A few years before that, one night at youth group, um, we were playing dodgeball, the official sport of youth groups everywhere, and somebody (laughs) threw the ball at me, and and I caught it. But I, I was falling backwards as I caught it, and I put my right arm out to brace myself when I fell, but instead of like bracing myself, I popped my shoulder out of its socket. Um, I still made that catch and got the out, I'll have you know. But after that, my shoulder was never the same again. And so I jump off this, this diving board and I hit the water and my, my shoulder comes partially out of the socket, which is excruciating um, if you've ever done that. And so uh, what do you do when you're in pain? Well, you, you yell out. Except I'm under the water, and so instead of letting out the yell, in comes the water, and so I'm I'm sinking in the water. My arm's partially out of its socket. I can't use it to kind of get to the surface, and I'm just kind of like kind of panic, panicking a little bit there. And like if you've ever been in a moment like like that, time just slows down for for some reason. And I remember going like, man, this is it. This is the end of James Stevenson. I'm I'm done. And so like, I, I'm just sinking to the bottom, but, but thankfully I, I hit the bottom, and I, I was able to push up off the bottom, and as I did that, um, my, my shoulder went back fully into its socket. I was able to swim to the edge of the pool, cough up the water, collapse in kind of like exhaustion, and uh, after I told my friends what had happened, they all laughed at me. They were super supportive. It was great. But uh, thankfully in 2012, I, I had surgery. I haven't had many shoulder problems since that, thankfully. But that day, man, I honestly thought I was like in big trouble. I thought it was the end. Of, it didn't happen. But, but there are those moments in life. And maybe you've been there where it's just like you, you, you know it's a moment of trouble. And, and you don't know how it's going to turn out necessarily and so as we continue in our series in Jonah this morning and pick up in Jonah chapter 2, that's kind of where, where we're at. Um, Jonah, just like I was, has, has been put into the water. He's been sinking. Now, Jonah chapter 2 is, is him kind of reflecting on this moment of trouble. So starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Now, Jonah finds himself in this place that he never expected to be, inside of a fish, and if you're kind of like hearing the story of Jonah for the first time, you're going to, inside a fish. Okay, you guys, you guys are crazy. You actually believe that? We're going to get there in a little bit, but, but Jonah is, is using words in, in his prayer like depth and darkness and death to describe this near-death experience in the sea, and, and in verse two, he uses those words like this is a situation of great trouble, and maybe you have found yourself in a, a situation of great trouble, where, where words like, like depth and darkness and death kind of apply to what's going on. Like maybe you've been in a situation that, that just felt so deep that you felt like you were drowning and maybe it, it was health concerns. Maybe it was financial problems. Maybe it was a relationship struggle. Have you ever lied awake at night, just unable to turn off your mind and you're just, you're thinking about it, or maybe you've soaked your pillow with tears. Just kind of, just overwhelmed by, by, by the pain or the worry. And, and you just kind of feel like ruin or death is just around the corner from you. Have you ever been so anxious that your body literally ached? Like it hurt, every muscle hurt from the stress that you were under. Have you gone through a period of dryness or darkness where it just felt like God was was far away from you? And maybe you're in a season like that right now because, like, the, the past two years have been brutal. Just just one thing after another, it seems like. And we look at the horizon of what's what's coming, and we might not see a lot of reason for hope. And so you might find yourself in a place that that you just never imagined that you'd be. You didn't expect, and it could be physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And I think like all of us have, have found ourselves in trouble at one point or another. And, and it's like, if you're like, not me, it's, it's been great. Well, you live long enough and I promise you, trouble is going to find you. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says like, in this world, you will have trouble. And so in those moments of trouble and pain, we wonder like, how did I get here? Or why is All of this like happening to me. In, in in John chapter 9, Jesus' disciples, um, they're walking along with Jesus, and they encounter a man who's been born blind. And, and they go, okay, who sinned, Jesus? Was it this man, or was it uh, his parents that caused him to be born blind? And Jesus, he says to them, it's like, no, nobody sinned. And what Jesus is kind of getting at is suffering or trouble that we experience in life. It's not always a direct result of uh, sin in a person's life. Like, think about this. Jesus was sinless, but but... Like, he suffered. He suffered immensely. And sometimes things happen around us, they happen to us, that are beyond our control. Like, there's a spiritual war that's taking place, and sometimes we find ourselves caught in the crossfire, that that, that we're kind of collateral damage in that. And and there's a powerful enemy who's out to destroy and kill. So sin and death, they wreak havoc in God's creation and we're not going to be immune from trouble. That, that it will find us in this world. But sometimes, sometimes we bring the trouble on ourselves. Like we, we might think, okay, you get a book of the Bible named after you. You've, you've made it. Like you're awesome. You've done it. Like, and Jonah gets this book named after him. And we're going, okay, Jonah must be the hero, right? But, but Jonah is not a hero and Greg, he did a great job of covering this uh, last week in, in his message. I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. But essentially, uh, chapter 1 is this. like God comes to the prophet Jonah, and he says, you're going to go to the great city of Nineveh, um, the, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and you're going to warn them to repent, because if they don't, uh, destruction is going to come. And like, Nineveh is, is a city full of Jonah's enemies. He doesn't want to warn them to repent. He wants to see them punished and hurt. And so Jonah's like, you know what? I got a great idea. I'm just going to run away from God. And so he gets on a boat going the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. He's going towards Tarsus, um, but, but a storm blows up on the sea. And the sailors are freaking out. They're praying to their gods, like, deliver us. It's not working. They're like, okay, uh, who's not up here praying? Jonah's taking a nap down in the bottom of the boat. They're like, wake up. You got to pray to your God. See if he can save us. And Jonah's like, yeah, this one's on me, guys. Um, I'm running away from God. Thought it was a great plan. Guess not. And so he's like, here's what you got to do. You got to throw me over the edge of the boat. And the storm will go away. The the sea will be calm. And uh, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, We're not going to have that on our hands. But eventually they're like, yeah, we can't prevail against the storm. We got to try it, I guess, or we're all going to die. And so they pick Jonah up, they throw him over the edge of the boat and the storm subsides. Now we would expect, like it may end in chapter one. It's like, and then Jonah was lost at sea, presumed drowned, and the sailors lived happily ever after, something like that. But that's, that's not what happens. In verse 17 of chapter one, it says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, a lot of people will see this verse and go, okay, Jonah's made up, right? Like, this is fictional. You don't actually believe he was inside of the, a giant fish. But, but what we would say is this, like, that view, um, it, it, it disregards the possibility of miracles, And I mean, like, have you not seen things in this world where you just look at them and you go, man, I cannot believe that exists, that that there is a creator. God has created all these things, and we're like, man, how did he think of that? How did he do this? So why could not the God have created everything, create and prepare a fish, arrange a fish for this occasion? I would also say this, like the ocean remains a mystery to us. More than 80% of the ocean has never been mapped, explored, or seen by human beings. Like we know more about the surface of the moon and Mars than we do like parts of the ocean. And so like who knows what's going on down there. But but here's the most convincing proof for me that that Jonah is is true, that it's not made up. It's this is that Jesus believed that the events of Jonah were historically factual. He references them in Matthew chapter 12. And so if Jesus believes that, that, that Jonah was true, that should be pretty good for us. Now, in verse 3 of Jonah 2, Jonah says, You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And, and who's Jonah talking about here? Like, you threw me into the sea. Is he talking about the sailors? Well, well, no, he, he's not. He's, he's not blaming the sailors for his situation. He's kind of going like, yeah, God put me into this situation of great trouble. God, God is the one who, who put me into the sea. And, and the reality is this. There are times where God is going to cast you into the deep. He's going to, to put you into the, these deep places in life at times. Like, God allows Jonah to be thrown into the ocean. God puts Jonah in the belly of this fish. I mean, okay, like, wh- why? Why would he do this? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, the writer says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and the, he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now, like, as a kid, like, hands up. Who loved to be disciplined? Did anybody was like, hmm, give me some more of that. I love it. Like, love spending time in my room. Love, maybe, I don't know, I was the generation. I got spanked and, like, it happened. Um, but it's like, who was like, more of that, please? Nobody. Nobody likes discipline. But as you grow up, you go, okay, I get it. I see why my parents disciplined me because it, like, it kind of helped correct me. It prevented me from making the same mistakes over and over. It was actually an act of love. And sometimes God's discipline for our, our, our sin or whatever it might be, like if we're running from God, disregarding what he's called us to do, it's kind of this active thing like it is with Jonah where he puts us in this place that causes us to reflect on a rebellion, but it is an act of love. But there's other times where God's discipline is more of a passive thing. And he's just like, okay, it's, it's gonna take you places you don't wanna be, but your will be done. Now, Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 24 It says this for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Then verse 24, then this is the one I want to pay attention to. It says, therefore, so like, so God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And in life, like oftentimes we think we make a better God than God does in certain areas, at least. Like we look at what God says about um, maybe kind of like relationships, sex life, finances, all these things, and we're going, man, God, you're kind of a killjoy. Like that doesn't that doesn't look that fun. I think I know better. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna go this way. And Paul goes, you know what? Sometimes God allows us to have the very thing that we wish for. There are times where God will allow us to sit in the driver's seat and follow our heart and all that it craves. Like Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so it's like, he's kind of going like, don't, be careful about trusting your heart. Like a a few weeks ago, I was putting our our four-year-old daughter Jane to bed, and she's like, I don't want to go to bed. Why do I have to go to bed? Why can Seth stay up? And I'm like, because you're four, you're younger. And and she tells me, it's like, well, when I'm older, I'm not going to have a bedtime. I'm going to stay up all night. I'm not going to make my kids go to bed. I'm like... That, you, you do that when you're older, not under my roof, you can do that. But it's one of these things, you're going to discover that staying up all night is terrible. Nobody enjoy, like, praise God for sleep. Now, like, as a kid, she's like, oh, to stay up all night, that would be amazing. And you experience it, you're like, eh, it's not as good as I thought. And it's the true about life. It's like, we look at things and go, man, I, if I could get all of that, it would be so amazing. And then you get it, and you're going, it's not as good as it looked And trouble often comes because we follow the desires of our heart instead of the wisdom of God. And oftentimes, we are the author of our troubles in life. We kind of write out our own problems, and it's like, who can we blame? No, it's on us. We, we, we get involved in a relationship with a person that everybody's going like, man, you really should not do that. Or God's like kind of clear, like that style of relationship, you, you don't want to be in it. And we're like, I know better. And then it, it goes wrong. It, it, it's painful. It, it turns abusive. Maybe we cut corners at work and we're just like, I'm going to fudge the numbers a little bit. And, and then it, it, we get discovered. We lose our job. We lose our career. Maybe it's just kind of like you take advantage of people, you take advantage of, of situations, you're going like, "Yeah, it causes some harm to them, but it's working out good for me." But then, again, you get discovered, and problems and trouble and pain comes as it catches up to us. Now here's the thing, like, I'm, not, I'm not up here like, uh, pointing all at you, because it's, 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 it's me. We all do this, that, that we know what God says about something, and we're like, "I know better. We all sin. We all do this and we disregard what God says about stuff and we go, yeah, but I think my way's better. In temptation, it rarely comes with this warning list of the consequences that will follow. It wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Now, now, here's what Jonah says. Like, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And so when you find yourself in trouble, that, that is the first thing that we need to do is remember the Lord. Like, remember God. Jonah 2 is Jonah's prayer from the belly of the fish. But, but hardly any of the words that Jonah prays are actually originally his. He's, he's kind of plagiarizing in the belly of the whale. Um, like he, Instead, he, he takes all these words and these ideas as he prays, and they're pulling, pulling them right out of the, the Psalms, the book of Psalms. And so what we see is Jonah is a, is a guy, he knows God's word, he knows it by heart. Because like Jonah doesn't find himself inside of the fish, and he's like, okay, let me get out my pocket Bible and a candle and like go to the Psalms, and I'm going to pray these out. Like Jonah's not just like, okay, you version, Bible app, plans for when you're in the, the belly of a fish. I need some comfort here. Like he, 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 can't, he can't do this. He's relying on what he knows. So this is one of the reasons we encourage you, like, be in God's word memorize God's word because there are going to be times in life where it's deep, it's dark, you feel like you're close to death and ruin and you need the hope that the truths and the promises of God's word will provide. Like what you you discover is if you walk with God long enough is that God's word is a certain guide in uncertain times. Like right now, Everybody's looking at what's going on, and we're, 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 we're freaking out, we're fearing, like, what if this happens, and, and what if that happens, and like, is this the end of the world, and panicking, and we don't have to be like that as the church. Like Christians, we can look at everything that's taking place th- through a biblical word worldview that comes through looking at everything, everything through the lenses of God's word, and we can go, you know what, even if this happens, God is sovereign. Even if this happens, my hope is secure. Even if this happens, I have salvation through Jesus Christ. Like we don't have to be freaking out. We remember the Lord. We remember who he is. We remember what he's done for his people in the past. We remember that if I've, all I've got is God. I've actually got everything that I need. That, that we have hope in the midst of our trouble. Now Jonah then says, my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. And so it's not enough just to remember God exists. Like That's just kind of like a fact. We've got to act on remembering God. We pray. And so verse 2, Jonah goes, I called to God for help, and God answered. And Jonah is is recalling his prayer here as he's sinking in the depths of the ocean. The prayer in Jonah chapter 2 is not this prayer that he would be saved from the belly of the fish. This is actually a prayer of thanksgiving, of praise to God that that he's been saved by the fish despite his rebellion. Jonah 2 is is Jonah's testimony that that God hears us in the midst of our trouble when we're sinking in the ocean, when things are going wrong, when, when, when we're just in a place where we never expected, that God hears our prayers even in the midst of our guilt and he answers them. And so it doesn't matter where that prayer is being said. God can hear you in the belly of a fish. He can hear you from your bed at night, your closet when the door is shut and you're struggling. He can hear you in your office, your car as you're driving home. He can hear you now as you sit here in the building or at home. You may feel that your situation is beyond the reach of God, but have you actually prayed earnestly? Have you actually asked him to step in? Like, do you remember being a kid and maybe it's like your parents come home with the groceries and are like, help me bring them in. And there's like the 50-pound the, the ba- bag of flour or something. It's just like a massive bag of flour. Maybe it's potatoes. Um, and so, or rice. We'll go with rice as well. Big 50-pound bag of rice. But, but you go, I'm going to help bring this one in. And you go to a lift it and you're like, I, I can't. It's, it's just too much, and it won't, it won't budge. You know, like, that thing's impossible. It's just going to live in the back of the car from now on. I guess it is what it is. But, but then, like, maybe your dad comes along, and, like, he, he takes that bag, and he picks it up in one arm. And then the other arm, he could scoop you up and carry both of you inside. And in your strength, you're going, that was impossible. That thing could not move. But in your father's strength, it was as if it was Nothing. And here's my point in this, is that stop thinking about what is possible in terms of human strength when it comes to your situation, but look at your situation, and consider what is possible within the strength of God. All things are possible. Now, verse 7, it says that Jonah's prayer was an earnest prayer. And some of us would go, okay, here's the problem. I don't know how to pray earnestly. I just don't know how to do it, so I guess I'm in trouble But remember this, Jonah is praying the words of the Psalms. Like God's people, they've often used the Psalms to learn how to pray. And there are moments in life, moments where you're in trouble, where you're in pain, and you don't know what to say to God. Have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever been hurt? Maybe you're just so uninspired and you just struggle to put together the simplest prayer to express to God, like, here's how I feel. Here's where I'm at. Jonah, what he does is he recalls the Psalms and he, he weaves these borrowed words into a prayer as he remembers God. And so here's the thing. When, you, when you're praying and you're struggling for words, borrow from Scripture. When you're in a situation and you, you don't have hope, Borrow the hope that you find in Scripture, and eventually those, those borrowed words, that borrowed hope, it becomes your own. Now maybe in the midst of your troubles, as you pray, you need to ask for strength to endure the trial. Maybe it's, it's asking God, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here, but I, help me to trust that you're using this to, to, to prepare me for something that you know is coming down. Maybe it's like you've been in rebellion, you haven't been doing what God, God asks, and you know you've been walking in sin. Maybe it's 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 the need to pray a prayer asking, um, or a prayer of repentance. Now Jonah is giving a testimony. He's saying this: God hears our prayers in the midst of our troubles. He answers. God can be trusted. In First John chapter five verse fourteen, it says, "And we are confident that God hears us when we ask for anything that pleases Him, and since we know He hears us when we make our requests." we also know that he will give us what we ask for. And, and maybe one of the things that we need to ask for, uh, just like in talking with people, I, I know this is like some of us need to ask that, that God would remove the feeling of guilt and shame. Because some of us, I, I know that we've done things in our past, before we knew Jesus, and we gave our lives to him, and the gospel says that you are forgiven, but we're, we're holding on to the guilt and shame from that, even though we've walked faithfully with God for years, and we're going, yeah, but I don't know if I'm actually forgiven. We, we cling to that guilt and shame. Like, there's, there's some powerful words that Jesus says uh, to a man that, that was lowered down through the roof, um, who, who could not walk, and, and what Jesus says to him is like, your sins are forgiven. And and Jesus doesn't just say that to that one guy. Like if you put your trust in Jesus, he says this to you. It's like your sins are forgiven. Like let go of the guilt, let go of the shame. You do not need to carry that with you anymore. And so there's there's deep grace for our guilt. There is immeasurable strength for our struggles. Now when we pray, it doesn't mean we sit back and do absolutely nothing to to resolve the situation. Like, if, if we are able to do something, I, I think we, we should do that. Maybe, maybe that's the way God's, like, oh, I'm providing a way here. Maybe it's, it's like, if we've been walking in rebellion, it's like, okay, I've got to repent. I've got to do what God's word says. But when we pray, we're inviting the one who can make the biggest difference in the situation to do so. Now, Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And so Jonah's going, here's your options when you find yourself in trouble and there's nothing, you're going like, I don't think I can do anything about it. He says, you can trust in a false God, or you can trust in the one true God. You can trust in the Lord. Now, when we think of false gods, like, we tend to think of things in the past, like people who would worship false gods, they're the ones who bow down to like wooden idols and and golden statues and go, ah, save me. We go, how ridiculous is that? But the reality is that that we kind of do the same thing with false gods. Those gods just kind of, they look a bit different and they go by different names. But anything can be a false god. A false god could be your career, it could be your bank account, it could be money, it could be power, it could be image, it could be knowledge, it could be science, it could be technology, it could be a person, a relationship, an institution. Like any created thing that we trust more than God and we look to for our salvation, that is a false god. But like, as I said, these past two years have been brutal. But if they might serve to do anything for us, I hope it is this, that that we realize that the things of this world make weak saviors. That, like, what thing has not had its frailty exposed by a global pandemic? And now as we kind of look at what could be happening with this situation, we're going like, ah, is World War III on the horizon? Like, What's not having its, its, its stuff impacted by that? What's not showing its weakness and frailty? Now Jonah utters the most important words of all. The, the biggest point is this, salvation comes from the Lord. And in times of trouble, when false gods show their frailty, that's when you realize, no, I need someone who sits above the troubles of the world. I need someone who's, who's greater than the situation. And Jonah's going, that, that is God. That God is sovereign over the events of the earth. That God directs nature. He directs animals. He directs nations for his good Purposes Like, this is what we're going to see in the book of Jonah. But, but please understand this, that in the midst of our trouble, God's good purposes are larger than kind of like our, 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 our temporal success or, or momentary com- uh, comfort. He, he's working for something much greater. Like, he's working to resolve the source, the, the ultimate reason for all of our trouble and pain. And he's working to bring as many people as possible to be with him forever in his kingdom. And so the third thing we need to do is to trust God. Like Jonah's still in the belly of the fish, but he speaks with this this confident faith that he's going to be delivered. And why is he so confident? Because he can go, here's what God has done so far in my life. He, He could testify to that God saves. Like the belly of the fish isn't a place of punishment for Jonah. It's actually a place of salvation for him. And if you reflect on your own life, you can probably see, here's how God has provided so far. Here's how he's delivered me from these situations. Like you have a testimony to tell. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And so in the midst of your trouble... Like, hold on to that. God cares about you. God loves you. He's working for your good, and you can have peace and assurance that God is going to do what is best even before the actual answer or deliverance comes. Now, Jonah's deliverance, it did come after three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. And this foreshadows Jesus' resurrection. Jesus said, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. and So Jesus had to be resurrected because Jesus had died for our sin on the cross to deal with our sin, the thing that was the source of trouble for all humanity. And in the gospel we see this, is that salvation comes from the Lord alone. And Jonah's going, yeah, I'm going to fulfill all my vows. And, and Jesus promises us the same thing that he's going to fulfill every vow that he's made. Every every word he's spoken, every promise given, every prophecy made is going to be fulfilled by Jesus. That sin will have no power, death will have no sting. And so when you look at the book of Jonah, realize this, Jonah is not a hero. Jonah is a work in progress, just like each one of us here. And God gives Jonah the chance to begin Again, that even in the midst of our guilt, God gives us second chances. And every person here has the opportunity to begin again. And maybe it's like you've been walking with Jesus for years, but it's like, it it hasn't been so great. Like his mercies are new every morning. That's for you. And maybe you haven't given your life to Christ, but you're going, I I want that assurance. I want that hope that, that supersedes the troubles of this world. You can have that too. But Jesus offers it to every person who believes and trusts in him. So if you want to do that, you can. You could speak to me. You could speak to Pastor Greg. You could visit uh, the Welcome Center on your way out. You could fill out a Connect card online at halifaxchristianchurch.ca. And somebody will follow up with you to help you take that step.